0: Thanks for listening to the Gateway Live Podcast, a collection of recent sermons, teaching, and inspirational content brought to you by Gateway Church of Upstate New York. Visit our website at gatewaylive.org for more information. Now, here's today's message. I'm going to open with a verse, James 4 and 8 which reads, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and He is going to draw near to you. So the question this morning is, who draws near first? We want to be closer to God, but do we really realize that the responsibility is on our shoulders to first draw near to God. And then he promises that he's going to draw near to us. We're given a formula or a promise that when we take a step towards the creator of the universe, that he will take a step towards us. And this should really excite you if you think about it. This is like one of those, uh, how many of you are sucked into the titles of the magazines at the checkout aisle? you know, easy ways, 10 easy ways to this, or three easy steps to whatever it is. But this title would read, Want to be close to God? Well, draw near to Him and see what happens. So the simple truth that James is writing about here is that we are the ones, we are the ones that determine the level of relationship that we're going to have with God. You are the one that determines the level of relationship that you have with God. If you draw near, he is going to draw near. So, I don't know, I mean, we we sit under a great pastor here, and I don't know how many of you have thought, well, you know, he was just he might have just been born that way. You know, everything comes effortless to him. No? I mean, as somebody who tries and attempts to speak up here, just to watch him come up with a paragraph of notes and pull all of that off is, is really cool to see God just flow through him. But you know what? He wasn't born that way. And all the men and, and women of, the, of God that, that this comes so effortlessly or seemingly effortlessly to, all of them first drew near to God, They took that step first, and as a result of that relationship that came with drawing near to God, God drew near to them and imparted all of the experience, the wisdom, and the revelation. And the truth is today that you can draw near to him and find that he's going to be closer to you in the new year. Amen. So he wants to be close to us. Let's take a look at this here. There's one thing that's impossible for God To do. Unlike us humans who tend to exaggerate with fish this big or whatever it is that you're into, it's impossible for God to exaggerate and lie. You can find that in all over the Scripture, numbers for Samuel, Psalm, Hebrew. It's impossible for God to lie. And so if we take a look at Psalms 139, And I like how the passion kind of boils this all down when it says, Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. O God, your desires towards me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. So, if God cannot lie, can we even grasp? the magnitude of how much he loves us? I don't know if, if you've thought about something of, oh, something like this. I mean, yes, we know that he died for us. Wow, he died. Just think about that. He died for you. But he loves us, and he's thinking about us more than the grains of the sand, and he can't lie. But the thing is, is God's not, God is a gentleman. As we've heard so many times here he's not going to get closer to us uninvited he's waiting for our james chapter 4 invitation draw near to god and then i'm going to draw near to you so how does one get closer to god in order for us to begin to get closer to him there's a foundation on which we need to begin and without this foundation It doesn't matter how much we want to get closer, and it doesn't matter how much he wants to get closer to us. There will never be an intimate two-way relationship without this foundation that we're going to talk about this morning. And this foundation can be found in many scriptures, but we'll just look at a couple of them here. Leviticus 10 verse 3 says, And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke saying, by those who come near to me, I must, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. There's some things in Scripture that we are left maybe to interpretation. Then there are the musts. So when Moses is relaying what God said to him to the people of Israel, when he says, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. We've got to to pay close attention to that. God is keying in on us here a major foundational truth and an absolute prerequisite. That prerequisite is drawing near to God that he must be regarded as holy, and he must be glorified by us. We can agree with the statement that he's holy. I mean, we sing a dozen songs here on a regular basis that declare you are holy. But is it enough just to simply acknowledge with our lips the fact? Or is there something else that's involved? Another scripture that lays this foundation is Psalm 89.7 when it says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and held in reverence by all those around him. God is to be held in reverence by all those around him, all those that want to be close to him. And the fact is, is that God's manifest presence will never show up in a place where he is not held in the utmost respect. Think about that. And this is not a message, before I go any further, it's not a message of condemnation, because I do feel that we as assembly are on the right track I know there are people here who are close to God who already honor and respect to a level. And God is drawn near to them as well. I can, I can testify. But in the new year, what could this assembly look like if the majority of us were to take that step and draw closer to God and watch Him draw closer to us because of the holy fear, reverence, and awe that we give to Him Hebrews 12, 28, 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. When we begin to live a life of worship, of true worship, when we gather together and begin to praise Him from a place of reverence and awe, God's presence will manifest in our midst. And we've seen that happen. We will see him work and move here in ways that we can only imagine. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 5 and 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. This is the man, Christ Jesus, we're talking about here. Yes. The flesh of God prayed, and because of the reverence that Jesus had for his heavenly father, shouldn't we use this as a model to have that level of reverence and respect and awe to be in the presence of God and to follow his example? If, if we want our prayers to be heard, church, it begins with an honest reverence of God. And so often, I know I am guilty of this, I'm so guilty, that when we need something, we just go up to that heavenly vending machine, you know, and we make our prayers known, but yet we have no fear of God, we have no reverence of Him, or uh, unless it comes down to those times, we don't live a life of reverence to Him. It's one thing to pray, it's another thing to be heard. It's one thing to draw near. It's another thing for him to draw near to us. Psalm 19, 7 through 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. I don't, know if, I don't know how many here have ever been in a service where you can just feel the presence of God in a physical way. There's been times over my life I've been in such services like that. And all I can say is... <laughs> The joy and the the feeling of being clean and pure in his presence is unlike anything else. And it's something that I want more of. So, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. Lucifer led worship in God's presence. How How many knew that? He led worship in God's presence. He was anointed to do so. And you know what? Today's worship was good. But can you imagine being anointed to lead worship before the throne of God? Before a multitude of heavenly angels? Lucifer lived in the very presence of God, and yet, and yet, he didn't fear him. How could Lucifer? He was up there in the, in the ranks. He did not fear God. And at the end of it, he fell from heaven as of lightning and took one-third of all the angel's who did not fear him as well. This is is somebody who sat near the throne of God but yet did not fear him. He did not endure forever. Adam and Eve walked in the garden. They talked with God daily. They were in his presence. And yet ultimately, they did not fear God. They did not endure forever. They chose not to obey God's instruction. How many believers and pastors or Christians might you know that began their walk with Christ on fire for God, and yet you read about their fall into sin? It's quite a, a list of televangelists who found themselves in that, that place. They didn't all start that way. They didn't endure forever. And this is what's being revealed to us today, this morning. Every person every angel, every being that finds itself before the throne of God at the end of it all is going to be someone or something who's been tested and found having a holy fear of God. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. Apostasy, defined as the act of abandoning renouncing one's previously held religious beliefs or faith, often in favor of a different set of beliefs or non-belief altogether. And so the day of the Lord is not going to come until there's a great abandoning of religious beliefs. Does anyone know where I'm going with this one? There's no truer statement than in this modern time. I was not aware of this. There's a company called Barna who does research into the religious world. They do surveys and all this kind of crazy data. And I found some statistics here that said in the year 2000, 45% of all those that were sampled, all those that were given this survey, qualified as practicing Christians. And over the last 19 years, as of 2020, one in four Americans qualified as practicing In essence, the share of practicing Christians has dropped in half since the year 2000. So where did they go? Their data indicates the shift was evenly split between those who fell away from constant, consistent faith and becoming non-practicing Christians, while the other half moved into the non-Christian, non-believer segment altogether. And then of, those, of that one-fourth of that 25% of practicing Christians, another one of their surveys find that only 9% of self-identified Christians hold to a biblical worldview. Apostasy. Why is this happening? Because there's a lack of holy fear in the modern church. Help us, Lord. Philippians 2, verse 12 familiar, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not love and kindness, but awe, respect, and reverence, fear, and trembling. We as modern Christians have done ourselves a disservice by focusing so heavily on the grace of God and so little on having a holy fear of him. God's grace is always available, church. It's one of the things that makes this so amazing, his amazing grace. But grace is available to a repentant heart, not as an occasion to the flesh. Not to say, I'm going to go live like I want Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday I'm going to come back in God's grace, God's grace. Where is the fear and respect? for what he wants us to do, what he loves us into. Galatians 5.13, rapid-fire scripture this morning. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. How many stories have we heard? How many people in this room today, for that matter, have fallen into sin over the years but we still profess to love Jesus. We don't when we sin, we don't just stop loving him. There's people in prison today that would still say that they love Jesus, and I don't doubt that they do love Jesus. The thing is is they don't fear the Lord, and the fear of the Lord is the difference. There are millions of Christians who love but do not fear. So what is exactly the fear of the Lord? Because there's all kinds of scriptures you could cherry pick from, from the word about having no fear, hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So what, are, what exactly are we talking about this morning? A holy fear of God is not the same as the spirit of fear. Because how can we have an intimate relationship with somebody that we're afraid of? It's not possible. Most are probably familiar with the account of Moses, how he led the people of Israel out of Egypt. When they left Egypt, he didn't lead them directly to the promised land. Those of you who know the account know that they were in the wilderness for 40 years. He led them to the place where he originally met with God in the wilderness many years before at the burning bush, that wilderness, the land where he encountered God first. And they got to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up to the mountain to meet with God, and God tells him, go down and tell the people that the whole reason I delivered them from Egypt was to lead them here to himself. So God shows his power. A couple days later, he shakes the mountain. There's an earthquake like no one has known. Lightning, thunder, smoke, and the people are scared to death because of their sinful state. They're in the presence of a living God. They're legitimately scared and afraid. And Moses makes this statement. This should be a memory verse here, Exodus 20, 20. Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Hmm. That's amazing. Do not fear, for God has come to test you. What's the test? That the fear of God would be in you so that you don't sin. You could read this scripture unknowingly and be really confused if you're not able to differentiate between fear, being scared or afraid, and the fear of God, meaning awe and respect. The person scared of God has something to hide. You look at Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they hid. They hid from God. But the person who has a holy fear has nothing to hide. That person is terrified of being away from God, being separated from God. The fear of God is the fear of being separate, being separated from Him. So, if we reread Exodus twenty twenty, and with this in mind, I'm going to inject a few words here. Do not be afraid. Do not be scared. For God has come to test you. And what's that test? that the holy fear and respect and awe of God would be in you. And that respect and awe would cause you not to sin. Because sin separates us from God, and I don't want to be away from God. I don't want to spend eternity away from God. Mm. So when we fear God, a synonym would be venerate, which means honor, respect, esteem, value, reverence, stand in awe of him more than anything else. We firmly embrace the heart of God. That means that we love what he loves and hate what he hates. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. You do, you just do a, a, a Google search on just the phrase, the fear of the Lord, and it's, it's amazing what you find. i I'm, I think one of the references said at least 300 instances of this type of fear of the Lord, awe, respect. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. So, some of you may heard it said or said, well, I love God and that's why I hate sinners. But the fear of God would say, I love sinners because God loves them. And God loved them enough to die for them. And what does God hate? God hates hates the sin that's driving a wedge between him and those sinners. So what should I hate? I should hate the sin that would try and separate me from God as well. So the whole purpose of what I'm speaking this morning is to be closer to God. I want to be closer to God in 2024. We opened with the idea of drawing near to God and him drawing near to us. So why is it that so many of us, myself included, have reached a place in our relationship where we, where we become stagnant? We engage the cruise control and we just coast. We know that living for God is the right thing to do. We feel that we're doing the right thing right now. We hope we're doing the right thing for eternity, most of us. But we never progress past a certain point. We don't see a holy anointing on our lives. We don't see God working in us and through us to the extent that we'd like to see. Could it be that we don't take our cue from those 300 times in the word where it says to fear the Lord, respect the Lord, stand in awe of the Lord, love what he loves, hate what he hates? Hebrews 1.9, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. I would imagine most everyone professing to be a follower, believer would agree that they love righteousness, but he doesn't stop there. He says, hates wickedness. And what about hating the things that God hates? What about hating the things that have the power to separate us from God? And one step further, and this is where it gets... Tricky in our own lives. What about tolerating the things that God hates? Do we tolerate sin in what we participate in by choice? What we watch, what we listen to, what we speak, the places we go? If you're anything like I am in times past, I would justify a certain behavior by telling myself that this is just the way it is today. I know that you, God, hate the thing that's on the big screen right now that I'm watching. And I don't necessarily agree with it either, but it's a good movie otherwise, so I'll sit here and support it. I know you might hate what's being promoted in this song on the radio I'm listening to, but that beat, and everyone else loves this song, it's number one, you know? I know I shouldn't probably be scrolling through these pictures right now, but 90% of my peers do it, so isn't it normal? God doesn't give us his word as a suggestion manual. Here's a a list of things that you might not want to do. When he tells us not to give in to things like sexual perversion, fornication, adultery, drunkenness, gluttony, greed, gossip, pride, selfishness, he says so because he knows the end result is separation from him. He knows the end result is unmet expectations, depression, heartache, divorce, addiction, sickness, and ultimately death. When I fear the repercussion of being separated from God eternally, it puts sin in a new light for me personally. It makes me personally hate sin because of its seductiveness. I know how it entices me. I know how it entices our young people. I know how it's going to entice you. Or that person I see on the street, how they're addicted and pulled in because of that sin, and it makes me hate that sin too. Does that mean that I'm never going to struggle or be tempted again? Of course not. We're all flesh. And we've been talking a lot the past weeks and months about tools and being educated on how the devil attacks us and, and comes against us. But here's a big one in Psalms 111.10 when it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all those who practice it have a good understanding. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you guys can go ahead and stand, close this up. The new year, always a good time for fresh perspective. And I know this was a heavy one. I, I wrestled with it. Because it, it's much easier to hear something good and feel motivated and walk away with no, nothing to carry, nothing to focus on. And that's okay sometimes. We need a good word. We need, we need a joyful word. But the fear of speaking truth because it's unco- uncomfortable or not convenient can set us on a path... Of ignorance and complacency. I've been in this thing for decades and I don't know as if I have ever been taught this or recognized the fear of the Lord for what it really is. Because like I said, the grace of God is a real thing. The mercy of God is a real thing. But what we do with that grace and mercy after we've attained it Help us, Lord. I don't want to find myself personally at the end of my days in a place of torment because I didn't have a holy fear of God. Or worse yet, I was never told what it even meant to have a fear of God. That I let the sin that he hates creep into my own life, thinking that grace covers all without true repentance. Having a holy fear of God will make us grateful for the amazing grace He's given us, not dependent on grace to hopefully make it to heaven. I want to be one of those who endures till the end. So, one final illustration that I thought of this morning walking. How many are thankful for our police officers? law enforcement they help keep the peace in our cities is there not a healthy fear honor and respect for that office that keeps us from doing anything that we can imagine if I'm late for work and it's an hour drive and I've got 45 minutes to be there I could do 100 100 But there's that fear of that speed trap. So I'm not going to do that. Thoughts of theft or abuse or whatever evil that might enter my heart. There's always going to be that check if you're healthy, if you have a healthy conscience. To, I'm not going to do that because I know of the ramifications of my actions. And he's not here today, but most of you know will. He's retired recently, but you know what? I'm not scared of of Will. I'm not scared of him because I know him and I have a relationship with him. But when he was in that position of being an officer, it's a different story. He has the power, he has the ability to send me somewhere where I might not want to go. but in a world that continues to devalue authority. The values, the position of the police, government, even down to our family and our elders, that healthy fear and respect that we're supposed to have, ultimately God too falls on that list. Because if we're not respecting those that are due respect around us, then why should God be any different? It's just how we're taught. 2023 has been an amazing year for me personally. I can truly say that I've strived to be closer to God. Bryn started reading a Bible in a year plan, probably in, well, she started a lot, she started sooner than I did. And then I joined in and caught up. And that's something that I've struggled with over the years. I've always read the Bible, but I've never really created that daily habit of doing something that would bring me closer to God. Being closer to God, and in turn, He will draw closer to me. And as a result of that daily reading, God began to open my eyes to the reasons why I wasn't getting closer to Him. I started seeing scripture references throughout the word about the fear of the Lord over and over. And after reading a couple of books, I don't know if you remember, Paul preached, I think it was earlier this year, about the fear of God. And at the time, that went over my head. Then we got talking outside of the church and I read a couple books And then I began to dive deeper and deeper and found myself changed from someone who relied on self-control and willpower to resist the devil. There is scripture for that. But it changed me into somebody who is in the process of embracing a holy fear and reverence of God. And in that holy fear, I'm not wanting to be separated from him open my eyes, opening my eyes to the things that God hates. And if God hates it, then God help me, I don't want any part of it. At least that's what I'm striving for. Of course, we're all human. We're going to fall. We're going to fail. But hopefully, hopefully some of this connected with you this morning because to me, after going, going through some of this, it seems very a person who like likes algorithms. I think I preached at youth camp once about the if-then things. If, in, if you know anything about programmatic stuff, there's an if. If you do this, then this. You know, If you do this, then that. If we draw close to God, He will draw close to us. And how do we do that? The fear of God. So I can say that the past months for me, in, in retrospect, looking to my life before, I've almost been eerily effortless when it comes to certain things that I might have struggled with. So hopefully that provides some hope for you. There will always be temptation. We're all human. But this will put a, a new perspective and light when we fear the Lord. knowing that it's possible to love God, but not fear God, is critical in taking our relationship to the next level. It's critical to drawing closer to God. It's critical to Him drawing near to us. When you look at Lucifer, when you look at Adam and Eve, you look at dozens of kings of Israel who did not fear the Lord. They were king over the people of Israel, and yet they didn't fear the Lord. You look at Ananias and Sapphira. How many are familiar with that New Testament story? It was revival. They were a part of that revival. And in their heart, they said, every, there, was, there were certain people who were giving, they were selling all they had. They were selling all they had and giving that money to the use of the kingdom and, and making the church move forward. And this couple sold what they had and then told the church this is, a, this is it really they kept a portion back for themselves because they didn't have a holy fear of God they were struck dead that's a New Testament thing but that we don't see that happening very often today but the premise is there the premise of respecting God and him drawing near to us. So let's just bow our heads today, Lord. We thank you for the word today. Lord, as difficult as it was, Lord, to deliver, it's not a new word. It's been there since Genesis. But it may be new to some as it was to me. Lord, I just pray that you teach us what it means to have a holy fear. Lord, I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to be separated because I tolerate the things that you hate. That I engage in the things that you hate because ultimately it's going to separate us. Help me to love what you love and hate what you hate. Lord, I want to live life of worship full of honor respect reverence to you and to you alone lord lord let me stand in awe of you more than anything else in my life help me to remember that i'm to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling that i and i alone am going to stand before you and i won't be able to point a finger and blame someone else because it was ultimately my responsibility to draw close to you. Lord, I want to be closer to you today and in the new year. And I pray that you would draw close to me, God, as I take a step, as we take a step as a body. So if you want to, I would just say, come up here, if you have a need, if you would like prayer we're here to do that with you if you've never accepted the Lord if you've never given your life to Him God's grace is there and it will be there He wants, He loves you His thoughts for you regardless of your place this morning are like the sands of the sea That's how much he wants to be near to you. And it's just that sin that separates us. So come on and pray. Let's bring in the new year with a fresh perspective on the awe and the reverence and the fear of God in this place. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new messages are released. And remember to visit gatewaylive.org for more information.